We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name's Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. And check your pulse. Check your pulse, because that was an absolutely unbelievable football game. Not necessarily the football game we expected, but maybe the football game we deserve, to borrow a little bit from the dark night there. But just an entirely engrossing football experience in every way, shape, or form. Every type of play you could almost possibly imagine occurred during the 49ers 37-34 to overtime win over the now 6-10 and Raiders. The 49ers, uh, as you know, are now 12-4. and They've won nine games straight, five of which with Brock Purdy under center, it's tough to put this one into words. It was up, down, left, right, front, center, side to side. It was an unbelievable football game just from a pure entertainment standpoint. Now, we're 49ers fans with a heart rate well over 100 throughout the vast majority of the game. Probably. Absolutely. No one would question you for that. Uh, you know, you can feel the stress pouring through social media. But in the end, at its core, it was a great football game, a great back and forth between two quarterbacks, largely unproven, and uh, it, it's it's just tough to kind of pick yourself up after after that one, you know. And and keep in mind that I kind of watch these football games through a very weirdly skewed perspective. I, you know, uh, like years ago, I kind of turned my fandom into kind of more of the analyst route, you know, working under Chris Biederman, Candlestick Chronicles, also the Blue Wire Network, and, you know, getting to be behind the scenes and cover the team from an analytic point of view and, uh, you know, talk to players in the locker room. And so I watched games from, obviously, I started watching 49ers games with the, from a fan's perspective, 
And then I got used to looking at them from an analytics perspective. I also look at these football games from a coach's perspective, um, which is entirely different than both of the other two. And it's just, and then obviously you've always got the fact that you just love watching football. So it's, it's a weird, you know, a lot of different reactions tug at me at any given moment. You know, it, it just depends on, on what I'm seeing and how I'm feeling. You guys would be probably not be surprised to hear how often I yell at a play, whether I'm watching it on TV, watching it from the stands, watching from the press box. I just can't like shut off my coaching speak type of deal. And it's just hilarious. So I'm at some point I should probably record myself while I watch these games. It's just, it's, it's, it would probably get some views. It's just a weird experience, but this game more than any game, the 49ers have played in this year. has just been, had me pulled in all kinds of different directions. It was nuts. It was, it was a very exciting football game. Now here's what I'm going to do on our takeaways post that y'all just have turned into an absolute phenomena of the podcasting world. Maybe not, but it's our phenomena. I have 41 replies, and I want to get through them all. And I know that a lot of the stuff that you guys say in these replies, these takeaways, are going to be a lot of what I talk about. So what I decided to do was, why don't we start the podcast with your takeaways and work our way through them throughout the pod because they're eventually going to get me to talk about the same things that I would have talked about had I just started it off with my normal normal you know breakdown of the game offense defense and all the little details first off we should mention that the 49ers believe that starting left guard Aaron Banks did suffer an MCL sprain uh Kyle Shanahan they needed to, said they needed to get more MRIs to confirm that he left the game um I'm not exactly sure because an MRI sprain, MRI, an MCL sprain, not an MRI sprain. An MRI is a machine that that examines your muscles. You can't really sprain that. I guess maybe you could, but it means a different thing to different players. You know, like uh, an an MCL sprain. I'm going to say MRI sprain again. I know I am. To a running back like Elijah Mitchell, big deal. You use your MCL every single play. To an offensive lineman who's obviously still using their MCL, uh, I don't know what that, you know, if a quarterback sprained his MCL, MCL, he might be back in in a few weeks, you know, versus just what's expected for that athlete to do. I don't know what that means for Aaron Banks and how much time he's going to miss if that ends up being the diagnosis. Luckily, the 49ers do have, do have Daniel Brunskill as well, who's a very, uh, you know, accomplished and experienced starting offensive lineman. Um, the, the offense continued to move the ball after Aaron Banks' exit. Not that it's not a big loss. So we'll see where that goes. Um, perhaps bigger so is linebacker Dre Greenlaw left the game with a back injury after he had just got done tackling a player. And Fred Warner came flying in and kind of, you could tell, just compressed Greenlaw. Looked almost like a, a knee to the nuts, for lack of a better way of saying that. But you, once they said it was a back injury, you can kind of still see it. Because Greenlaw's kind of flipped up with his butt kind of towards the air, and, and Warner just collides perfectly with his butt, and it, you could tell it probably compressed him a little bit or bent him in an awkward way. So hopefully that's not a serious injury. He's also getting some further tests done. So that's kind of like the we must get these out of the way things. Uh, let's get to the takeaways, and like I said, it'll kind of drive our conversation 
I might go off on a tangent or two throughout the process. Um, but that's just kind of, you know, this is in lieu of me breaking down the game for 20 to 30 minutes and then just getting to the takeaways. Why don't we get to takeaways now? We'll let your guys' words drive the discussion and we'll move our way through it. Um, I'm going to go to the bottom. Let's go to the bottom of the takeaways. I wish they were just in chronological order, but all right. The first one is from at KRNA and it's one of the uh, Spider-Man meme where he's putting on his glasses and when he's, when he's got the glasses on and his vision is blurry, it's what the, what's the dude's in Georgia quarterback's name that we just saw play yesterday. I can't remember his name. That's the view of him when he has the glasses on and his vision's blurry. Because remember, original Spider-Man, his vision improved. Didn't need the glasses anymore. Then when he takes the glasses off and his vision is clear, who is it? Brock Purdy. Don Robertson. We'll get to some, we'll talk much more on Brock Purdy. But I feel like we should, we should usher it in a little bit better than that. Don Robertson, there's no way they go far in the playoffs if the defense plays like this. Um... I I agree. I think it's fair to agree with this. And that, you know, leads us to one of our first points that, like I said, we'd be making anyways. Defense really surprisingly struggled against a Jarrett Stidham-led Raiders offense. Jarrett Stidham himself, just as a quarterback, completed 23 of 34, that's 67.6% of his passes, for 365 yards and three touchdowns and two interceptions for a 108.1 quarterback rating. Even Stidham's two interceptions were not totally egregious on his part. The first one, he threw the pass. It was deflected up into the air by, hold on, I'll get it. Kerry Hyder. See, I told you I'd get it. Deflected up into the air by Kerry Hyder, and then Drake, rookie Jake, defensive end Drake Jackson went up and got it and kind of outmuscled Stidham for the ball. And then his other interception, Nick Bosa planted an offensive lineman in his lap and his ball went up, fluttered, and was picked off by Deshaun Gibson. So even Jarrett Stidham's turnovers were not like egregious or like they were obviously forced turnovers by the 49ers defense that they 100% deserve credit for. But it's not like somebody just read the quarterback and jumped in front of a ball. It wasn't those types of interceptions. They were They were interceptions produced by deflection and pressure. So it was just an interesting game that the 49ers didn't look all all too prepared for. It it looked like a trap game, 100%, by a team that technically wasn't mathematically eliminated that at a quarterback making his first start of that season. And it was just a really, really weird game. The 49ers defense gave up 500 total yards of offense the Raiders were averaging 7.6 yards a play the 49ers allowed 4.2 yards per carry and then they allowed 15.9 yards per reception Devontae Adams ended with seven catches for 103 53 yards and two touchdowns so while the defense did come up with the game ceiling play, they in no way <laughs> really stood in the way of the Raiders all that much. I mean, the Raiders went off on offense. I mean, you could even go over to the Raiders' possessions. First quarter, touchdown, field goal, turnover on downs, which was on the two-yard line. Impressive play for the 49ers defense. Shout out to Eric Armstead. Then, 
after that. So touchdown, field goal, turnover on downs, touchdown, touchdown, punt, interception, punt, field goal, touchdown, interception. So a, a more rough fourth quarter, but the Raiders were scoring, and they were scoring a lot to the point where you wonder if Derek Carr being in this game would have held them back. That's just how this game looked. Or maybe Derek Carr would have done all the same things. I don't know. doesn't really matter. But the 49ers defense got throttled. Giving up the most they've given up in quite some time. I mean, let's go look at, do I got their schedule up right here? I do. They gave up 34 against the Raiders, 20 against the Commanders, 13 against the Seahawks, 7 against the Buccaneers, 17 against the Dolphins, 0 against the Saints, 10 against the Cardinals, 16 against the Chargers, 14 against the Rams. You have to go all the way back to week six and seven against the Falcons and Chiefs before finding these types of numbers. So it was a very off game for the 49ers defense. And it's not that there weren't defensive players making plays. It's not that the defense never did anything good. But as a whole, they will not appreciate this effort. And it will definitely give them more than a couple things to worry about. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, let's keep going on the takeaways. Tyler Elmas. Tyler, no. Elmas. 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 A-E-L-M-A-S. Elmas Imus. I'm trying out here, man. I just want to get this right. Defense is concerning, especially RDBs. Diamador Lenore had a very rough outing. Traverius Ward was going through it with Devontae Adams. Um, there were plenty of plays where Traverius Ward clearly had good coverage on Devontae Adams, even on, on the fade ball. Ward was right there. His hand was about a couple inches from knocking the ball away. That's life against Devontae Adams, the best receiver in the NFL. That's what it is. Um, you would hope for a little bit more than that. Too often, the secondary completely lost track of, of a premier player, like, you know, got beat by Darren Waller a few times and he was wide open. Devontae Adams on more than a few occasions was wide open. On his first touchdown, he was wide open, like somebody just completely forgot about him. And that's kind of more concerning than just being straight up beat by Devontae because you know that's what he does to everybody. 
But leaving a player like that unaccounted for, that's scary. So there is some concern there. The pressure did not get home as often as we are used to it getting home. I mean, the defense only managed zero sacks. They didn't get a single sack. They did get uh, quite a few quarterback hits. This shows you what Nick Bosa does right here. Hufanga, one quarterback hit. Lenore, one quarterback hit. Hyder, one quarterback hit. McGill, one quarterback hit. Nick Bosa, five quarterback hits, more than the rest of the team combined. That man was, he never, he didn't get an official sack, which really puts a dent in his possibility for 20. I think he's at 17 and a half, if I'm not mistaken. I could, uh, I could look that up. But, you know, obviously the uh, 20 is a, is a very, very solid goal for a regular season, which he's going to need to show out against the Cardinals in week 18 to get that done. So rough game for the defense. Rough game for the defense. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, AJ said letting Suckman pass for 300 yards is worrisome. It is. That's what we just got done talking about. There's no way to sugarcoat it. Yes, the 49ers managed to win in overtime against a 6-10 and team. Um, and it was on a play sealed by the defense, but that is, you know, there's no way that this doesn't raise some red flags a little bit. And especially for teams that the 49ers are going to face in the playoffs, they're going to want to look at what the Raiders did because they did this right in the middle of the, this 49ers defensive dominant hot streak, you know, and for them to come out with a, a brand new quarterback and just completely take it to the 49ers defense is going to raise some flags that teams are going to want to see what the, uh, what the trick was. Buckeye Niner, Brock rules. CMC was outstanding. Ayuk wide receiver. Number one, Lenore needs benched. It was an effort that I, in which I could understand why people would say Lenore needs to be benched. Now, you know, Amory Thomas has been missing games. I don't know. You know, Janoris Jenkins has kind of gotten some some positive press lately. Maybe he's going to get in there more often, but uh, it was a rough outing for Lenore. So let's, I mean, let's start with this takeaway, Brock Rules. I think that, you know, we need to, we need to take some time to appreciate what Brock Purdy is showing us. And there's so many different things that I could point to in this game. You know, you can start with his second touchdown to George Kittle, where he rolled left, squared his shoulders, threw it up over about four players' hands, including a couple 49ers, and put it right on George Kittle in the back of the end zone. A play that not many quarterbacks can make, and it's not an arm strength thing. It's, it's, it's a composure and an accuracy thing. And it was truly an outstanding throw. And then one of the things I tweeted out that probably should have done a little bit better of job work, wording it, but don't forget that Brock Purdy led this team on a game-winning drive with one minute and 11 seconds left on the clock. He and Brandon Ayuk went to town. I think Brandon Ayuk had four catches on that drive, including a, a heroic one where Brock Purdy's pass was, he was hit as he was throwing, so his pass fluttered up into the air, and Brandon Ayuk went up and got it to put the 49ers well within field goal range. I think it was a 41-yarder that Robbie Gould missed to send the game into overtime. So in terms of what Purdy could have done in that moment, he did everything he could do. He led that team straight down the field in less than a minute to give them a shot at the win. And that is special. That's different. And some of the throws he's making are accurate. 
They're under pressure during the touchdown drive late in the game to take the lead. The Raiders ended up coming back and matching. Purdy just stood with a pass rusher coming straight at him, knowing that he had to hit Christian McCaffrey on the screen that Christian McCaffrey proceeded to take for like 40 yards and break three tackles and run over a Raiders DB. But it just seems like he has no concern for what's going on him around a football field. He is so composed and confident. He's cool. He's collected. He's all the C words. And he just continually makes impressive throws under pressure. And it wasn't perfect. He had that interception to George Kittle where he just didn't allow, it didn't gather himself enough and put enough on it. To me, if you watch that interception to George Kittle, it wasn't an arm strength thing. It was like a, he didn't cognitively decide to put enough on the throw. It's not that he couldn't. You just watch him throw it and he looks like he's just kind of nonchalantly throwing a deep ball to a wide open receiver. And that's not what George Kittle was. He was open. The ball just needed to be 10 yards out in front of him downfield. And Purdy accidentally threw it almost even with where Kittle was to the right. So Kittle had to like come back and try and fight for the ball. Could Kittle have done a better job of breaking up that pass and not letting it result in an interception? Maybe, but he did fight for it. In that case, you'd like to see him just completely go up for the ball and use all 260, 70 pounds of him to drive that defensive back right out of the way. But that was a pretty interception that you'd like to see a, a, a better – just a more aggressive ball, you know, and, and like I said, it wasn't an arm strength, like I can't make this throw thing. He just threw it as if there, was, there wasn't really a concern, and when in reality that throw needed to have a lot more on it, he needed to spend another split second settling his feet and driving his momentum into the throw, whether that was fully stopping or at least taking his body's momentum towards the throw. Whenever a quarterback rolls out, the last thing you want to do before you throw it is take your momentum towards the throw. Now, that's hard to do when you're going away from it, but that just means you have to settle your feet even quicker and really put a lot into the throw and get it out there. And he didn't do it. He was just a little too nonchalant about it. But you're talking about a drive to take the lead. You're talking about a drive to win the game. Um, it, It was just everything you wanted to see to grow the Glock Purdy legend you saw. You go and you look at the 49ers possessions for this game, like we just did with the Raiders. Here are the 49ers possessions throughout the entire game. Opening drive, touchdown. Second drive, touchdown. Punt, end of half. That was it. Raiders had the ball a lot in that first half. Touchdown, touchdown, punt, half over. Punt to open up the second half. And here's here's where it starts pouring. Touchdown, interception, the deep one to Kittle. Field goal, field goal. Touchdown, missed game-winning field goal, field goal to win it. That is a lot of points. Let's see how many drives the 49ers have. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 drives. How many of those drives did they get points? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. And it should have been 8 with that mix. Well, it would have been 7 because the game would have ended at that if, if, if Robbie Gold would have made that field goal. But... So essentially seven drives out of the 12, the 49ers were getting points. And then you look at that and the fact that the the drive to take the lead happened at a minute and 51 seconds left and resulted in that touchdown that Jordan Mason took in, his first career touchdown. 
And then you've got another seven play 52 yard drive, which resulted in the missed game winning field goal. These are, that is where the, the rubber meets the road right there. The, the 49ers got the ball with four minutes and eight seconds left, went down and scored a touchdown with 217 left. Then they got the ball again with a minute and 11 seconds left and went down and put themselves in position to win the game with a field goal. That's like two game sort of like, obviously they had much more time the, the second to last drive, 408, but that's like two game winning drive vibes. You know what I mean? Drives where you got to have it and you went and got it. So very impressive game from Purdy, not without its mistakes, but even Kyle Shannon said afterwards, like every quarterback's going to make mistakes. I just love the fact that he's going for it. You can tell that Kyle Shanahan truly trusts Brock Purdy with like any play. He's throwing on first down like he just doesn't care. You know, we're so used to just watching the, the 49ers try and run the ball on first down, maybe run it again on second down, and then you have to throw on third down. Or, you know, run the ball on first down, incomplete pass on second down, then we're, who knows what they're going to, it's, it's, it just seems like an entirely different offense with George, or excuse me, with Brock Purdy at the helm. You've got 37 points against the Raiders, 37 points against the Commanders, 21 against the Seahawks in a tough road game, 35 against the Buccaneers, 33 against the Dolphins. The 49ers with Purdy are scoring a lot of points. Um, one of the, uh, you know, the, the accounts that makes the NFL graphs, it was showing the efficiency of the 49ers offense and defense. The defense efficiency was down, as you would expect it to be. And the offensive efficiency was nearly maxed out. One of the best offenses in the league so far this week. And uh, to me, that's that's some special stuff. And I think we're starting to eclipse that is Brock Purdy for real threshold. I think he might be for real. And I, this doesn't mean that he's a top five quarterback. It doesn't, you, you don't even need to quantify it to that point. He's a quarterback that the 49ers can win with. He's a quarterback that the 49ers can move the ball. Can can He's a quarterback that allows Kyle Shanahan to fully flex his offense. I mean, even with a quarterback like Trey Lance, who has a huge arm, you know, you still we still didn't necessarily expect the 49ers to throw the ball 60-plus yards down the field. They don't necessarily need that. They need the quarterback to hit the guy that's open, that can get the yards after the catch and create big plays. Brock Purdy is doing that. It's why George Kittle has come alive under Purdy. You know, Kittle had four catches for 23 yards and a touchdown. I guess not a huge game, not as big of a game as last week for Kittle. But what's encouraging to me, and we said this on the pod, was the last player on the field that's going to develop that chemistry with Purdy is Ayuk because he's a perimeter receiver. He's the furthest pass catcher from the quarterback. That's why McCaffrey has gotten so much burn. That's why Kittle has gotten so much burn. It's about comfort level and how comfortable you are driving the ball. And all and in this game, Ayuk had nine catches for 101 yards and a touchdown when the 49ers had to have it and they had to, to move down the field to kick that game-winning field goal. Purdy went to Ayuk again and again and again. So that's encouraging. But in the end, again, it's this 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 game was about Purdy showing more quality in terms of what he is capable of doing in these situations. This was a playoff type atmosphere 
and Purdy played like a playoff type quarterback. I know that the Raiders are not a playoff caliber defense, but in terms of situational ball, atmosphere, how that crowd was and what the 49ers needed him to do, he did it. And it, it was pretty impressive. Christian McCaffrey, another part of Buckeye Niners takeaway, was outstanding. Caught had 19 carries for 121 yards, 6.4 yards a pop, including a touchdown. Shout out to Kyle Yushek with some excellent blocking on that play. He also had six catches for 72 yards. I keep seeing these comments on social media about, hey, why do they keep going to, uh, going to McCaffrey so much? It's like, what game are you watching? Why wouldn't you go to McCaffrey? The dude accounted for 200 yards of offense. Now, couldn't they scale it back a little bit? McCaffrey, 19 carries. Jordan Mason, two. Could they sprinkle a little more Jordan Mason in there to keep McCaffrey fresh? I think so. But in terms of why the 49ers offense keeps going to Christian McCaffrey, because he makes fucking plays and he scores points and he, and he moves the ball. Like, the dude is... Everything the 49ers hoped he would be and more. He has set this offense on fire. And it's just weird to watch people go like, why do they overuse Christian McCaffrey? Uh, If a player was capable of giving you 200 yards of offense, you should overuse him. It's like, why do they throw the ball to Devontae Adams so much? Uh, I don't know, because he accounted for 150 plus yards of offense and two touchdowns. Like, they're doing the same thing with McKittle. I just combined like four players. With McCaffrey, they are allowing him to produce, which, again, could they scale it back maybe a little bit? Yes, but when push comes to shove and you need a play, you go to your best players. It's as simple as that. Ayuk, all right, let's keep going. We'll, we'll keep going. Uh, five Loading says, Brandon Ayuk has always been good, consistently open, just Jimmy didn't look his way for some reason. I don't know. Like, it, Let's go to Brandon Ayuk's stats because I felt like um, I have him on my fantasy team, so obviously I pay a, a bit more attention to Ayuk than maybe – I mean, I already pay a ton of attention to him. I cover the damn team. But if you go to uh, Brandon Ayuk's stats, I thought he had a decent rapport with Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, before Brock Purdy even took over, Brandon Ayuk looked like he had about, I don't know, 40, 40 catches for, you know, six, 700 yards, somewhere in there. And now he's about to get to 1,000 yards. but. There's no part of Brandon Ayuk's production that is necessarily increased with Brock Purdy. This was a very solid game in the right direction, but Brandon Ayuk was doing well. I mean, look at his receptions. Going all the way back to week one, two, five, three, four, three, eight, seven, six, six, two, five, five, two, two, five. And then obviously he's adding the nine from today. So Brandon Ayuk has been producing all season. He's been great. I mean, it's just good to see Purdy develop that relationship with him. Um, I had this conversation with KP who should be the 49ers, uh, should be the striking gold co-host if uh, Niners nation wasn't greedy. Um, they got to pay Brandon Ayuk in my eyes. Brandon Ayuk is a number one receiver. Like he is capable of routinely going over a thousand yards. If you want him to, if he was on a more pass heavy offense, I think Brandon Ayuk is the caliber receiver to have 13, 1400 yards and 10 touchdowns. That's just what I think of him and his talent level. Um, I think the 49ers need to do their absolute best to keep him around. Is there a chance that IU could want to go somewhere else where, to showcase his talents a little bit more and be paid a little bit more? There's definitely a chance for that. But 
he is to me he's earned a seat at the table of the offensive superstars of the 49ers. He's sitting right next to George Kittle and Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and Brock Purdy. I mean, he is he has an equal seat at that table to me because you've got George Kittle who's going to make those hard plays over the end zone and is cap- or over the middle and is capable of turning any play into a touchdown. You've got Debo Samuel who's going to do something similar, who can succeed all over the field, whether it's in the backfield, in the short game, in the long game, break tackles, huge plays. Then you've got Ayuk who is that finesse route running receiver that can beat you at any minute along the perimeter. And then obviously you've got Christian McCaffrey who can do all, you know, almost anything. But I feel that Brandon Ayuk adds a necessary and irreplaceable element to this offense. Just imagine this offense without Brandon Ayuk. You'd have a ton more passes going to a healthy Debo Samuel when he returns, but that's also a part of his stock. A lot more going to George Kittle. It just doesn't quite have the downfield potency that Brandon Ayuk adds. I think he's a very important element of this offense. And with the salary cap moving up, I'm assuming, you know, with that massive deal through Google for YouTube TV to take over the Sunday ticket, I think the salary cap is going to be flying. I think they've got the money to pay both Ayuk and Bosa this offseason. And I would not let him walk out the door because he is, uh, he's a special player. I think he's much better than a lot of people realize. And I'm not saying that I'm the one that realizes it, but Brandon Ayuk is a special player. Chris Wall, Brandon Ayuk is still a good football player and underrated in my opinion. I'm 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 right there with you, Chris. I'm I'm here. We're here. He is him. Uh Sui Generis would have worked, but somebody missed the block on the edge. Oh, I'm I'm reading a reply. Excuse me. The Daryl. If we center that overtime kick, why wouldn't we center the earlier one? Instead, Kyle calls a play action boot. Um, I honestly don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't necessarily think the 49ers were all that concerned about the earlier one. And, you know, I get what you're saying. That play kind of went awry, the, the play action boot that you're talking about. Um, I think Kittle was was open, was going to have a chance to score there, but Brock was hit as he threw, and, and Brandon Ayuk came up with a heroic catch and kept the, the drive alive. Um, so I, I just think it was a difference of aggression. The 49ers were, wanted to either, one, make it a much easier field goal to win the game, or two, they just wanted to win the game for, you know, score a touchdown and make it that much more difficult. Or, I mean, it's the last second, so whatever, however you get your points, you get your points. But in the case of the overtime one, they had three downs to do whatever they wanted and and set up the absolute ideal field goal. So I think it was just a difference of scenarios. One, you know you've essentially got the game win, game one, let's just line up this field goal. The other was we're currently driving down the field. I would like to set up as easy a field goal as possible. Let's get as close as we can. And that played it that it looked like it was designed to Kittle was either going to score or get them a lot closer with an immediate timeout. So it's, uh, you know, I- I'm not acting like I know for sure. That's just kind of like my take. So Graz, in order to be a truly good team, you need to be able to win multiple ways. They showed they can win without the defense's A, B, or C game. It's a great point. Mixed bag for Purdy on some throws, but let a 10-point comeback and a two-minute drive on the road. He knocks each checkpoint out of the park. I agree. And, and that is one 
glass half full way of looking at this game. Look, the defense, they're allowed to miss every now and then. Do you want them to be elite each and every game, especially against you know a backup quarterback making his first start that season? Sure, you do. But they weren't. Everybody slips. Everybody messes up. Can the offense compensate for that? And like Sograd says, they did. They 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 were the better offense. They they were the better offense in terms of of making the plays when they had to have them. And that's you know that's a good sign that that the 49ers can on the offensive side of the ball rise to that occasion. Mixed bag for some Purdy throws. Yeah, there were there were some. There was a, a near pick there towards the end of the game where a little bit of a I think it looked like a little bit of a miscommunication on a depth of a route or where he was throwing it, but it it um almost got into the hands of a defender, but I, you can't I don't expect Brock Purdy to be perfect, especially from where he's coming from and his draft stock and all the things he's had to overcome. But again, leading a comeback, multiple last minute type drives, you know, a drive to score a touchdown with four minutes left, a drive to get in game winning field goal range with a minute left. You can't ask for much more than that. Those are boxes being checked. Derek Brock Purdy is the QB for the 49ers. The defense made plays, even though they look bad most of the game. When we get Debo back, holy shish. Uh, I agree. I, I, it's, I do think that the 49ers are going to, it's going to be an open competition this offseason between Trey Lance and Brock Purdy, who, if you haven't heard, Trey Lance had an additional surgery to remove the hardware from his foot that would use to repair it because of some apparent irritation. He should still be good for the offseason program. A little bit of a, you know, not an ideal situation. Uh, Brock Purdy is the quarterback for the 49ers is what I'm looking at there. And, and I think that we're getting closer to the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo is a free agent after the season. I don't think there's any question you let him go. I think they'd like to keep him around in some realm, but he just played too well this offseason. A team's going to be more than happy to offer him like a three or four year deal with with some serious money attached to it. Money the 49ers wouldn't even be able to flirt with. So you you keep Brock Purdy and you keep Trey Lance and you let them compete in the offseason, and that is a competition that Purdy owns, at least from the start. It's his job to lose. Um, he's done enough, I, I believe. Uh, Mikael, is that like Mikael Myers? Mikael Myers? I hope so. It's a great way of spelling it to get me to say it like that. Mikael. The secondary is officially a problem. Do you think Ambry or Womack could fix it, or is it more of a scheme issue? I don't know. I don't. I, Ambry and Womack have both had their fair struggles, fair share of struggles as well. So I'm not necessarily sure that they would remedy the issue. I'm not even sure if it was a scheme issue. It just seemed like the 49ers were were kicking themselves all the way down the field. Uh, and, and I don't want to raise the alarm bells and say the secondary is officially a problem. But the moment you start going up against an even better passing attack, I mean, look what happened when the Chiefs came into town. Uh, is that still the same thing that's going to happen? Because if the Raiders are putting up 30-plus, what is an actual playoff team with a real passing attack going to do? So I think it's fair to say the, the secondary is officially a problem. I could also see them you know, making the changes they need to fix it. But in the end, I thought a lot of the secondary's problems came from the fact that the pass rush did not get home. Zero sacks. Nick Bosa got his quarterback hits and his pressures, but zero sacks. Zero sacks from a defensive line this stacked. Can't have that. Uh, Santilli, if it wasn't an off game, some evidence it wasn't, an elite quarterback will torch this defense. At least in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl there will be one waiting. Very true. 
yeah, kind of what we were just talking about. That's very true. Um, the 49ers are going to have to find a way to, uh, to, to shore that up because it wasn't the effort you want to see as the team is one game away from the playoffs. Uh, Matt E, his takeaways is just uh, Count Dracula with the number two, um, which is referring to the fact that the 49ers have officially captured the number two seed. Kind of like we expected here on Striking Gold, Minnesota traveled to Green Bay and got the shish kicked out of them. So I'm not going to be, you know, Minnesota fraudulent, any of that. But I just felt like they were always going to lose that game and they lost it bad. And so the 49ers are now the number two seed, which then put, which would put them in line in line to face the number seven seed. Now, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Actually, let's just talk about it now. I'll I'll go through it pretty quick, but there's some playoff scenarios that are that are in on the 49ers doorstep right now. Currently they hold the number two seed. They are slated right now to face the Lions in the first round of the playoffs. But if the Packers, who face the Lions next next week, if the Packers win, then the 49ers are facing the Packers. Do I think the 49ers like are afraid of the Packers who are doing well and they are heating up? No, I think the 49ers have have throttled much better Green Bay teams, I think that they would be perfectly fine with facing Green Bay again. Is Green Bay a better team than the Lions? I think so. I think that you would much rather face Jared uh, Goff than Aaron Rodgers, no matter what stage Rodgers is in his career. But I just don't think the 49ers give a shit about that. They are driving forward. They now have a shot at the number one seed. If the 49ers beat the Cardinals next week and the Eagles lose, and who knows where Jalen Hurts, their starting quarterback, is. Um, if the Eagles lose, then they have officially lost the number one seed. The 49ers take it and now get a first-round bye. I've seen on Twitter a lot of people saying, well, the Giants are assured the number six seed. Do you think they're going to rest their players against the Eagles? I don't know about that. I'm not so quick to, to, to say they will because, one, the Eagles need to win that game to maintain their number one seed. The Giants. What, are they just going to do a team within their division a favor? Picture the 49ers being in that same position with the Seahawks. Kyle Shanahan does not seem to uh, appreciate resting players right before the playoffs in regular season games. Um, he, he questions its effectiveness. Now, obviously, an injury would change your opinion real quick, but I don't see this Giants just resting all of its starter, uh, starters, starters and just kind of settle like the Peaky Blinders. Um Resting its starters and just ushering the Eagles into a, a number one seed. I don't know about that. If the Giants can beat the Eagles and get them out of the number two seed, then the Giants get to face the Eagles again right after that, a team that they just beat. So I'm not sure there's a whole lot of incentive for the Giants to rest starters. Could they? Yes, but it just would seem weird against the team in their division, essentially giving them the number one seed when there's a chance that they could lose it. All right. Let's keep going. Talanoa Sefanga. We need a new kicker. Oh, that's a tough... Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, obviously, Robbie Gold's pretty damn good, but he missed a clutch one there. I believe it was a 41-yarder to win the game. Ended up stealing the deal with a chip shot at the end, but that was a tough one to see. Um, now, Robbie Gold is a legendary kicker. I'm not sure a lot of people realize that. Might be a Hall of Fame kicker, and I'm not bullshitting you. Set a lot of records. Every kicker moves past their prime. Is he there yet? I don't know. I'm not. It's one missed field goal. He's kicked many game winners for the 49ers. I don't 
I don't know if I'm ready to go there, but I can understand why other people are there. Used Goat, Gremlins is also a Christmas movie. I could probably buy into Gremlins being a Christmas movie quicker than I could Die Hard. You know, Gremlins is such a classic. I love, I love, uh, what's his name? Mogwai. I don't think, is that his name? I can't remember. But man, what a movie. That's like uh, such a huge part of my childhood. Uh, Lyle said, can't let quarterbacks be this comfortable. 100% talked about it. Zero sacks. Uh, Nick Bosa was getting after it, but it was almost like nobody else was. Um, it, it, you need more than that from this defense in order for it to be what it's supposed to be. Sui Generis, hopefully that serves as a wake-up call for the defense, and hopefully we get better officiating in the playoffs. Las Vegas mauled the D-line today. Yeah, there was a lot of holding not being called. George Kittle was called for a holding when he steamrolled a defender with one arm. I mean, it was such a horrible, it was an unbelievable call. There was a lot of bad officiating. Uh, Devontae Adams, huge touch or huge completion to put the uh, Raiders in scoring range uh, right there towards the end of the game. Um, tough, tough, tough call to overturn, but it certainly didn't look like a catch. There's a part where you can frame it and balls literally just sitting on the ground with this hand, obviously not possessing it, but that's a tough, uh, that's a tough call to reverse in that moment. Let's keep going. Cyrus hate this type of game, but I think it might help with true critical self-evaluation. Trust me. I want the W. I didn't think an L was needed to remind the team. It's tough to win in the NFL. So reset, finish the season on an upswing, get a week off, get healthy, then kick some ass in the playoffs. Well, they don't necessarily have that week off yet that the Eagles would have to win for the 40 and the, and so with the 49 or Eagles lose 49ers win that's how they get the week off but I mean your point still stands go uh kick the Cardinals ass and again if even in that game you've got a divisional opponent with nothing to lose so uh you better better not better come with your a game Mikael again I did see way too many times where Devontae was one-on-one I did see that too one like one-on-one with the Amador Lenore like uh hello and if they do that to Jefferson Jefferson, they will get torched. Do you see Ryan's changing defense a bit so that this doesn't happen again, or will this continue to be an issue? I could definitely see him changing defenses. Because to me, and I get that he's trying to empower his players, but leaving Devontae Adams one-on-one with Diamador Lenore is not your recipe for success. Charverius Ward was, was taking it in the chin from Adams. Like Now, in Lenore's defense on that big bomb that, they ended up giving two Adams. He was right there. Good coverage, but you've got to find a way to not leave him one-on-one with anybody. Danny boy. I like that Purdy's interception was still him giving a receiver a shot. I agree. It was a deep throw. Devontae Adams is some sort of deity. <laughs> Maybe a good thing it was this close to help the team maintain focus down the stretch. Right. It wasn't a, and I've thought about that, especially over the in the past. This was a little bit more than you, you'd hope the team would give up. I've always said over the, Past couple games, you know, that the offense scored just enough to keep the defense honest. This was one of those like, whoa, maybe a little too honest, but at least it keeps them humble and they can they can work through it is what you'd like to see. I liked Purdy's interception, too. I didn't mind it at all. It was like another arm punt. That's his second interception where he's just giving one of his players a shot. The only downside was just kind of how nonchalant he treated that throw rather than really ripping that thing down the field and letting George Kittle go get it. But in the grand scheme of interceptions, not too costly, um, other than the fact that the 49ers offense seemed like they were moving pretty well. Pro Samurai. Let's go. Purdy, Ayuk, and CMC are them. I agree. Could may have Gold may have won us a game, but we might need to at least entertain the idea of a younger kicker like Young Hoku. Um, 
I, I agree. We'll see if the uh, if they let him hit free agency. But um, yeah, that's that's some, that's a discussion that's going to come up. Secondary needs to get better, of course. Lenore should never see playing time. <laughs> he did have a rough game, even in in run defense. He he gave up some outside runs that just were a little inexcusable from a schematic standpoint. So pretty rough game for Lenore, for Lenore. Let's see if he bounces back. Maybe Christian McCaffrey should have been a Pro Bowler over Hufunga. I mean, they're different sides of the ball. McCaffrey should have been a Pro Bowler no matter what. Uh, but yeah, Hufunga's had some started off the year extremely strong and has really kind of teetered off. I wouldn't necessarily say into like the negative zone, but he's uh, he seems like he consistently finds himself on the receiving end of some bigger plays. But that could be selective. Uh, Stelled up one. We need a tough one. Defense gets time to work on weaknesses exposed today. We needed a tough one. Uh, I think there's some validity to that. You know, they were definitely humbled by an offense that even Nick Bosa said they may have underestimated. Fear the Lord. Losing banks is huge. Yet we're going to see to the extent in which that loss is going to be felt. If it is an MCL sprain, um, the 49ers are modestly equipped to deal with that loss. Like I said earlier, Daniel Brunskill has been a starting guard for the 49ers for a lo- for for years now and I think he was already rotating in with Burford. I think that you can plug him there pretty well and at least see not too significant of a drop off. We'll see. Uh Mimo even in the face of adversity Brock Purdy got it done. Yeah, like we talked about earlier man, not all of the, like this is the first time we've seen Brock Purdy down on the scoreboard and how he responded. And he responded. He was good. He was solid. He was aggressive. He was accurate. He was calm. I mean, you're talking about a guy who deserved to have some throwaways uh, hyped up. Like the dude, it, one of them in his own end zone, getting the ball uh, you know, out of, the, out of bounds in the face of pressure. Um, there was another one later in the game where he made multiple pass rushers missed and got it thrown away down the right side. He does some interesting and special things in tight spaces in the pocket. He just moves well, and he has a very good grasp of space and when he needs to give himself some space. So um, it was definitely a game filled with adversity for Purdy, and he did he did get it done. He delivered. Jay, secondary is going to be a reason the Niners don't make it past the first round. Not that down on the secondary, but it obviously wasn't their best effort. I guess that would depend on who you face in the first round and if they're a genuine passing offense. But if the Raiders we're able to get it done. Maybe it doesn't matter who it is, and any team in the playoffs can have a similar effect. So the 49ers and D'Amico Ryans definitely have something to work on. David said, Purdy is showing how dangerous this offense can be. Jimmy was going to the speed limit in the left lane on the highway. Man, I hate it, people that do that. Look, I don't care what speed you want to go. If the car behind you in the left lane is going faster than you, then move over, move over, move over. Keep traffic flowing. That saves traffic pileups and backups. Faster cars on the left. That way, you always know if you want to continue to move, if you want to progress through traffic, you should be in the left lane. I see far too many people in the left lane that shouldn't be in the left lane. You have no business being there. If you need to pass a car, go ahead. Get in the left lane, then get back over. Don't stay there. Don't be stubborn. You aren't the one. You aren't him. If you aren't going well above the speed limit, now, yeah, I get it. You're going that lane goes above the speed limit. Get over it. Get over. You you need the 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 two lanes on the right, the the two right lanes are yours. Let the let the uh let the movers shuffle. Okay, let the movers take that left lane. 
I'm sorry. Anyways, David, back to you. Purdy is showing how dangerous his offense can be. You wouldn't expect a rookie seventh round draft pick to unlock an offense, but it really seems like that's what he's done. We've seen Kittle's numbers skyrocket. That last game, this game was massive for Ayuk. Christian McCaffrey's numbers have been booming since he got here. It, it really does feel like this offense has stake, taken a step forward with Brock Purdy, and that makes no logical sense, but it, it's what my eyes tell me. Pappy Joe, that defense felt like the defense that played the Chiefs. Again, that's exactly what it felt like. Like, no matter what, the offense was going to move down the field and score points. That's exactly what this uh, defense feels like. And that's a little bit of a scary thing to have happen just a couple weeks before the playoff. Uh, Milo, let's F and go. Great win. Raiders offense has some good players, and our defense struggled, but we still came through. This team really could. This team looking real good to go all the way. Uh, I think the 49ers are a genuine Super Bowl contender. I think they can do it. The, you got to understand, too, that every other defense the 49ers face is not as good as the 49ers. So if the 49ers offense can continue to produce at this level and this defense can continue to make plays, even if they're not at the pace that we're used to making them, they can tip the scales in the 49ers' favor. They're the best defense that is going to be in the playoffs. It's just a matter of making the plays when they have to happen, like. Nick Bosa did to seal this game. Jonathan, 49er faithful. Unexpected, great test for Purdy. Wake-up call for our defense. But as Warner says, they're 1-0. Next week, another 1-0. Yeah, you got to move on. And you've got to, you know, it was a very humbling game for that entire side of the ball. But, and I think that's a good point in your first sentence, is it was an unexpected, great test for Purdy. I expected him to kind of throttle the Raiders' defense, and if we were going to see a great Purdy, we were going to see it today, but it was the situations he was put in that impressed me and how he handled them. Like Late game, putting up points like that, there's no way you can't find that impressive. Manuel Beltran, nice reality check. It was. Credit to the Raiders. They played hard today. Needed a close game for Brock to learn from. All that matters is the record, not how they got there. Two seed feels great, baby. I think that's, I think that's a point that's better left unsaid. You make good points. Um, John said the 49ers needed a kick in the teeth before the playoffs. Just glad it didn't end in a loss. I trust Amico to make the right adjustments going forward. Normally he makes them during the game. Still, I trust the brass to get it straight. I mean, they did adjust to an extent. Um, if you look at the, the, the possessions of the Raiders in the second half, you know, here's the first half touchdown, field goal, turnover on downs, touchdown. Okay. And in the third quarter, they had one touchdown and they punted, but then there's, in a stretch here, it was interception, punt, interception, punt, field goal, touchdown. And even that last touchdown came on a massive chunk play that you kind of were like, damn, you know, did he even catch that one? But two, anytime you give up a, a contested 50-50 ball like that, it's hard to necessarily fault somebody, especially when the player is right there. So while they didn't necessarily like keep the Raiders scoreless in the second half, you could feel things start to tighten down just a little bit. Um, but, I mean, in the end, you've got to keep them out of the end zone, and that and that didn't happen. Next one, let's keep going here. We've got Jamie Hess. Jamie Hess, we needed a game like this to wake us up. Now it's game on. Hey, you can see this is the common theme right here. Maybe this, this type of loss could be a blessing. Um, but we'll see. You're hoping it's not something that other teams look at as, as if it's like blood in the water. You know, maybe this defense isn't so badass after all. Uh, Alan Chi, no, excuse me, John, 
Hopefully, Eagles and Vikings play before the 49ers next week. And if there's nothing to play for, just let De- Debo, Bosa, Brock, Kittle, CMC, Extrager play a quarter or two. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. The 49ers still have to keep the Vikings at bay. You know, they still need to win this game to maintain the number two seed. Uh, and then I, you'd hope that they, 49ers usually play in an afternoon time slot. Um, maybe the Eagles have played at 10 a.m. and the 49ers can kind of get a gauge on where they are and what they can what they can achieve. Um, it's a good point. You'd, you'd like for them to have that information. Kyle Shanahan would just tell you it doesn't matter to us. We're going to go 100% anyways. Alan Shee, this type of game is what I worry about most in the playoffs. If this D isn't playing well and Purdy has to carry the team, I'm not very confident. Reminiscent of Jimmy, unfortunately, and everyone thought this was going to be a blowout. Yep, me included. Um, But at the same time, Purdy and the offense did carry the team, and the defense almost didn't show up. They must have gone out a little later than the rest of the team last night. Not that I don't even think you can go out on a away game. They're pretty much trapped in their hotel. but. It, it it was, I mean, I understand that you never want to see the defense get throttled like that, especially by a bad football team, but it was a little bit of a, you know, a blessing in the fact that you got to see the offense rise to the occasion. Now, can you rise to the occasion of an offense that's even better than the Raiders? That's what we kind of talked about. We'll see, but it, it obviously is not something you want to see from the 49ers defense, but to watch the offense go toe to toe with an offense the Raiders offense that was currently firing on all possible cylinders. It was good to see him in that sense. Christopher gritty win defense was flat for most of the day, but came up with big plays when needed. Secondary got exposed and needs to clean stuff up. Offense kept him in the game. Purdy played well for the most part, especially down the stretch. Kittle Kittle pick was on Kittle. I don't agree with that. Uh, Just because Kittle wasn't able to get up there and break it up does not make it on Kittle. At that point, the, the receiver's trying to become a defensive back. Now, maybe there was a, a a reality where Kittle just straight up jumped higher than the DB and outmuscled him and made still made the catch. At the very least, make sure the guy doesn't come down with the ball. But Kittle was open. The ball was horribly underthrown and off target, and he was just trying to recover. So at that point, I think there's no way it could possibly be on Kittle other than to try and save Brock Purdy's throw. So I, I wouldn't put that on Kittle for sure especially when the ball wasn't even thrown to where it needed to be thrown. Jake Lang, this defense has been butts two weeks in a row. Were they were they butts last week? They held the the commanders to 20 points? I'm not sure that's that's butts. I mean the commanders have a lot of good players. I don't I don't know. I don't know. I guess I mean maybe you're not impressed by 20 points to the commanders. I could I could understand that. But I'm not going to fault the defense for giving up 20 points. This one was was a little different than that. Uh, sh- let me get this. Shizostrol Lenore. Lemonor. I think you, you. I think you accidentally used the the wrong 49ers player. There was Corey Lemonier back in the day. You mean Lenore and Hufanga need to clean it up? Yes, they do. Lemon Lemonor or Lemonier <laughs> was a pass rusher the 49ers had uh you know three or four or five years ago. David Neal, Rock was clutch. CMC is unbelievable. Overall, they may end up in a good game. Overall, may end up a good game to have had before the playoffs. Close and keeps everyone switched on. Uh there's a reality to that. You know, the 49ers are no longer looking at themselves as like unbeatable the defense isn't riding on cloud nine because they just the Raiders just took them to the edge 
Uh, Rob Lauder will read this. <laughs> is the uh, is the Twitter name? You're damn right, I will, because I'm not missing a a beat over here. 49ers sneak by with a win here. Always nice to get a reality check late in the season to remind winners they are not immortal. Glad we got ours out of the way without an L. Still, the way Lenore got burned over and over had me asking Santa late for Mosley back. Man, yeah, I mean, injuries are a part of football, but it would be fun to imagine this defense with Emmanuel Mosley still out there uh, because, man, that is an impressive player. But I think that I, I do agree with the overall take from everybody that, you know, this team was humbled in, in the best way possible and the fact that they were still able to come up with a clutch win and take some confidence with it, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And the defense um, is not gets something to work on that may have been an anomaly. I mean, this Raiders team just came out firing like I don't think anybody expected they would. I think the 49ers were expecting a much more prominent run game and not just Operation Air Raid for 350-plus yards. Not any excuses, obviously, but now they're at a point where they can say, okay, if a team comes at us like this again, which they're guaranteed to see coming from the AFC, uh, even even the Eagles are going to come at them like that. The Packers may have to come at them like that. They, you know, they need to, to shore that up. Jeffrey K. Lyles, Lyles Movie Files. Man, this was this was the 2019 equivalent to the Saints game. This team is so much fun. Finding all these various ways to win locked up the number two seed. I like that Jeffrey can keep it positive because they did find a new way to win that wasn't predicated off a dominant defense performance. And we got to see Brock Purdy do more things. Glock Purdy always firing. It was a, just a, a nuts game, just like to see the Saints game. And instead of it, George Kittle catching that short pass and tearing up the sidelines and fighting through face masks, it was Brock Purdy, uh, you know, getting hit as he throws and Ayuk to make the miracle catch, but then the game-winning field goal was missed, and then the 49 Nick Bosa put an offensive lineman in the quarterback's lap to let the pass float up in the air to get picked off by Gibson, who returned it, you know, well inside the red zone for the for the game-winning chip, chip shot. That is a, that is a, it was an exciting football game. It's nuts. Christian Navarro, Raiders one of the 49ers after car benching. Bosa is the defensive player of the year. Pay that man. Raiders wanted the 49ers after car benching. Yeah, you can tell this team, uh, the Raiders team, was at another level energetically. They they wanted all the smoke, and they received a lot of it. Um, Nick Bosa, uh, to me, I thought about this earlier. I'm glad Christian brought it up. That play that Nick Bosa made to end the game, putting that offensive lineman into the quarterback's lap to force the interception, is a defensive player of the year exclamation point. Like, look, I've been flirting with this quarterback all game and the motor never quit. You're talking about going down to the absolute last snap of the game and Nick Bosa is still pushing, still pushing, still pushing, still getting after it. Doesn't lose, doesn't get disheartened about the fact that he hasn't gotten there yet. He doesn't have a sack in that game. He's hitting the quarterback. He's just a little bit late. He's even hitting the quarterback, and the quarterback is still making completions, and he just keeps coming. And it ends with him taking an offensive lineman and setting him on the quarterback's lap, and the quarterback having no choice but to flutter the ball up. Watch that play again. Watch how quickly Nick Bosa turns around and just puts his arm up because he knows that he has done what he needed to do to end this game, and Gibson catches the interception and returns it all the way. Probably what you would like to have seen 
Jaquiski Tart do last year in the NFC Championship game. But I mean, it was it was him putting it was it was the equivalent in a much different game with much less on the line. You know, that was that was Aaron Donald sacking the quarterback and pointing to his ring finger saying, give me that ring. I mean, that is real alpha male quality uh, silverback gorilla type shit. And Bosa did that to end this game. It's just what great players do. And obviously, you'd like to see more effectiveness getting after the quarterback. But when push comes to shove and they had to have it, he got it. And that is defensive player of the year type stuff. And that is why Bosa is going to get paid $30 million a year and no one is going to care because you pay that man. JF, too fresh. Man, when was the last time we could say the offense picked up our defense? I know, man. Grabbed him, Fred Warner looking up, wondering what happened, and Brock Purdy standing over him saying, here, man, I got you. Get up. Our defense looked hungover out there. By the way, I think it's time we give Brock his wrestling counterpart. Brock is Breck Hart. The dude just executes. I mean, I love Bret Hart. I, I, I don't mind that at all. I think we could probably come up with – I mean, outside of the sexually offensive nicknames, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say offensive, but it's the sexual nicknames. We got to come up with, a, you know, Glock Purdy, some type of wrestling nickname for for Brock if he were in the WWE. But I think Bret Hart is a is a great example. The best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. We'll see. Maybe Brock will get there. And closing it off with Michael McVay. Wow, we have the number two seed for now. Defense struggled a lot, but came up big when it mattered. This was a good test for Purdy. Felt like a playoff game. I love the interception in overtime to set up the field goal for the W. A win is always a win. Go Niners. Happy New Year to all us striking gold family. What an excellent comment to end with. Happy New Year to all of you. I hope 2022 was a great year. And if it was or wasn't, I hope 2023 is better. Thank you, Mike Mike McVeigh, for reminding me to tell all of you uh, Happy New Year's. Um, and I truly do wish it's the best. I, I mean, 2022 for this podcast was different, man. Losing, uh, I don't know if we lost Crocker in 22. Maybe that was 21, technically. I can't remember. Um, and then, you know, getting KP on the bandwagon and having him swept away by a greedy corporation. And, you know, had a couple guests on since then. I want to have more on, but I never thought of myself as somebody who could take a podcast by myself and run with it. And that's in the end, that's not necessarily what I'm trying to do. Obviously, we've had to do it for quite some time now, but I'm not going to rush it. I'm not going to rush into a solution just to say I did it. Uh, I want it to be right. You guys are owed that. But it feels like we really have built a striking gold family. It's kind of a trip. Uh, and and it it's mainly because of you guys. I just... I just MC the whole damn thing. You guys have just as big of a a say in this podcast as I do now. And that is perfectly okay with me because these types of things would not exist without you guys. Um, but it, like Mike said, a win is always a win. The 49ers have now won nine in a row. Nine in a row. That's not normal. And I don't feel like the NFL is talking about it enough. And not to mention the fact that five of those wins have come with a rookie quarterback under center that's i mean this is some special shit no matter how far this season goes this stuff is is different and i'm really hoping you guys are enjoying it as it happens because it's just it's not it's not normal and kyle shanahan said it after the game what brock purdy is out there doing is real and uh 
it's only getting started in my eyes. I mean, you're talking about a quarterback who just got thrown into the action mid late mid season and is just taking the NFL world by storm. So I love it. And I love that we get to experience this together. And uh, I appreciate everybody for being such a, such a, for just making this podcast fun as hell, man. I mean, when Eric Crocker initially asked me to do this podcast, I, I was very weary. I was, did not think of myself as any sort of a podcaster, especially when you sound like some blend of Ray Romano and Kermit the Frog and Patrick Mahomes. But here we are, and I'm having fun with it. And I, and, and, you know, a lot, a huge thank you to you guys for making 2022 a great year. And, uh, and we'll see where it takes us, man. Special group we got here. But hey, that's it, man. 49ers. What are they? 12 and 12 and 12 and four now. What a season. 12 and four. 12 and four. I, I can't wait to see where it goes from here. Just so fun to cover this team. It's, it's just like nothing else. Like nothing else. But again, thank you for all your support, everybody. Thank you for being such a massive part of this podcast and, uh, and carrying us along. It's all, it's all on you guys. Um, can't do this thing without you. Uh, we will get back at you guys a little later this week um, to kind of just we'll briefly talk about the Cardinals. I don't think there's going to be a lot of conversation to have there. Um, maybe we'll talk about, given it's the last game of the regular season, maybe we'll get out, give out some regular season awards. Um, we'll just kind of put a little little fresh spin on the pod, break the, uh, break the mold a little bit. But as always, I appreciate you guys. Thank you for making Striking Gold what it is. But you already know, for another episode, we've got to get out of here. We've got to end things. I've got to stop rambling. I have to. I appreciate you guys. But for another episode, I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold. And we are signing out.